Folks, today we've got a bombshell about a bombshell. Today is a human events special episode all about Operation Nord Stream, the clandestine operation to destroy the Nord Stream pipelines in the Baltic Sea. We are going to dive into it, pun completely intended, for the entire show today. I want to also make sure that you are signed up for the POSO Daily Brief. That's humanevents.com slash POSO. Sign up for the POSO Daily Brief. Read what I read. You will get full access to it completely for free at humanevents.com slash POSO. Let's get into it. Answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. What do you, what? How will you how will you do that? Exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Uh, uh, how, do you, how can you say that for sure? Where does your confidence come from on that? As I said, we've had extensive consultations at every level uh, with our German allies. I'm not going to get into the specifics here today, but we will work with Germany to ensure that the pipeline does not move forward. The situation today looks fundamentally different, and that means that with regard to the latest developments, we need to reassess the situation also with regard to Nord Stream 2. I have asked the Federal Ministry of Economics to uh, look at the, to withdraw the report on the security of supply with the Federal um, Networks Agency. It sounds a bit technocratic, but this is the first necessary step to make sure that this pipeline cannot be certified at this point in time. And without this certification, Nord Stream 2 cannot operate. Senator Cruz, uh, like you, I am, and I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now, as you like to say, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. Operation Nord Stream 2. Operation Nord Stream. The most mysterious whodunit and geopolitics in modern history, or is it? Because when this happened back in September of 2022, there were a lot of people pointing fingers. There were people pointing fingers all over the place. Was it Moscow? Was it Washington? Was it Berlin? Was it Ukrainians somehow that made their way into the Baltic and conducted this international act? Today, Seymour Hirsch came out with a bombshell report. Now, Seymour Hirsch, he's a former New York Times, former New Yorker. He is the man that broke the My Lai Massacre, the Abu Ghraib scandal, Pulitzer Prize winning. This is a guy that the left can't ignore. But the problem for them 
is that he's a member of the old left. He's not going along with the new stuff. He remembers the idea behind what actual journalism is. Actual journalism means reporting the things that the people in power don't want you to report. Seymour Hersh has come out today based on his reporting, based on sources that have reached out to him, that state unequivocally the United States blew up the Russia to Germany natural gas pipeline as part of a covert operation under the guise of the Baltops 22 NATO exercise, the exercise that was taking place in the Baltic during the summer of 2022. Now, Hirsch goes on to explain how this was done in great detail. Remember, we told you there will be wars and there will be rumors of war. Another good one is never believe anything until it's been officially denied. Now, you can call this a lot of things. You can call this a covert operation, clandestine act. You can call it economic terrorism. You can call it espionage. I'm just going to call it what it is. This was an act of war. This was a false flag act of war against a country that America is not at war with. Unless you consider the fact that NATO and the United States are clearly in a hot proxy war with Russia on the territory of Ukraine. But if you go back to what we said here on this program, on Human Events Daily, and have made known in my appearances on War Room, it ain't just about who benefits. It's about who suffers. Qui bono, qui malo. Qui bono, qui malo. Who benefits, who suffers. And when we look at this case, who benefits from the destruction of Nord Stream 2? Because I can guarantee you, it ain't the Russians, and it certainly ain't the Germans. It's the Americans. American LNG exports to Europe have gone up exponentially since this war began, and we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. American exports of LNG. That means money in the pockets of American companies. It also means a complete shutdown of any economic relationship, any deals between Germany and Russia. This has been their goal for over a decade with this pipeline. They had been getting the cheap gas from Russia and they'd been using it to try to revitalize the German manufacturing base. Germany's always been a manufacturing country. This was their way to try to gain more autonomy and gain more power and actually do something to rebuild their country. Now, all of that lies at the bottom of the Baltic. And as Victoria Newland said, she feels gratitude. She feels happy that this happened. And we remember, of course, the President Biden and Victoria Nuland herself told us this 
They told us in no uncertain terms that this would happen. They even said it before the war began. Go back and look at the timing of this. They told you before the war began that Nord Stream 2 would be taken out. That project will end, said President Biden. And he didn't seem to equivocate there. He didn't seem to stammer. He didn't mix up his words. He wasn't in the mumble tank. He knew exactly what he was saying. And I think everybody listening to it knew exactly what he was saying. That U.S. military and U.S. intelligence assets would commit to a clandestine act to take out that pipeline. Well, on this special, we're going to explain to you exactly how they did it. Stay tuned. Operation Ivy Bells challenged the U.S. Navy to use top-of-the-line technology in order to wiretap underwater communication cables found within the USSR's territorial waters. The innovative USS Halibut submarine took divers on a mission so secret that most of the crew involved were not told the truth about what they were doing. The U.S. collected over 10 years of valuable recordings until an American veteran betrayed his country for $35,000 from the KGB. USS Halibut. Operation Ivy Bells. So in my very first week in Navy intelligence, they told me don't do something. Why did they tell you not to do something on your very first week? Well, here's what I mean by that. They said, you better not read the book Blind Man's Bluff by Sherry Sontag. Definitely don't read the book Blind Man's Bluff by Sherry Sontag because that book, Blind Man's Bluff by Sherry Sontag, details various leaked classified operations of the United States Navy throughout the Cold War. And so you definitely better not go out today, march immediately to your bookstore and pick up a copy of Blind Man's Buff by Sherry Sontag. So, of course, I read the entire thing cover to cover. And Operation Ivy Bells was a huge part of this. This was an operation that only was ended because of a traitor in the late 1980s, but it had existed for about or I guess 85, it existed for a decade. The United States Navy using specialized divers and specialized submarine equipment, a sub that was converted called the USS Halibut for deep sea diving, that was actually adapted to be able to sit, it had essentially skids placed on the bottom of it, sort of like the skids on a helicopter, so that it could actually park itself on the bottom of the ocean floor Divers would then be able to emerge using a special capsule, head out, and wiretap a Russian undersea cable so that they could steal and listen to upstream communications between members of the Russian Navy, high elites that were completely unencrypted. Because again, this is upstream communication. They had no idea that the U.S. would ever be able to tap into this. And in fact... The crew of the submarine was even given a cover story. Only certain members, this was so top secret and compartmentalized, which is what the C in SCI stands for, Sensitive Compartmentalized Information. It was so compartmentalized that hardly anyone on the ship, other than the CO, the XO, and the actual team involved, knew what the true mission was. That operation is very similar to what we saw happen here 
to this covert operation where we don't have the name of it at this point, so we're just going to have to call it Operation Nord Stream, that a working group comprised of members of the Biden administration, Victoria Nuland, Jake Sullivan, Tony Blinken. Now remember, of the three members of the Biden administration, when we talk about geopolitics, when we talk about foreign relations, when I talk about the Biden administration in general, those three are the ones we focus on the most. The fourth would be Ron Klain, but his international portfolio is nowhere near as strong as theirs. Remember, Jake Sullivan and Victoria Nuland were deeply involved in Russiagate. They were deeply involved in Maidan. They were deeply involved in all of these things going back to the prior administration. Going back to when Barack Obama was in office as president and Joe Biden was his VP. This has been an agenda that's been going on far longer than Joe Biden's been in office. And honestly, it takes place kind of without him. So this was the plan. If they couldn't stop Nord Stream by putting leverage on the Germans, then they would stop it by other means. And that's exactly what happened here. So they had to find a place to launch from. So they had to find a working partner. Who did they go to? Well, it turned out, and we're going to do the map break here to explain this all to everybody, exactly where this took place in terms of the Baltic. 1,500 miles long, this pipeline. So how, excuse me, 1,500 kilometers. So how would they be able to get to it without the Russians noticing? They worked with a local partner in Scandinavian countries, none other than Norway, according to Seymour Hirsch. Funny enough, the current commander of NATO, Jen Stoltenberg, is the former prime minister of Norway and someone who's extremely close to Washington, D.C. Funny how that works. So her states, the Americans provided one vital element. They convinced the six fleet planners to add a research and development exercise program to Balt Ops 22. This is an exercise that's held in the Baltic Sea in the middle of summer 2022, and they realized that this would be the perfect cover. The exercise, as made public by the Navy, involved the Sixth Fleet in collaboration with the Navy's, quote, research and warfare centers, an at-sea event that would be held off the coast of Bornholm Island, Denmark, very, very close to where the final explosions would take place just a few months later. It would involve NATO teams of divers planting mines with competing teams using the latest underwater technology to find and destroy them. So they devised an exercise that actually included the planting of mines. But one of those teams wasn't just planting mines for an exercise. One of those teams was planting real mines, which were later remotely detonated on orders from the White House. At that point, the seafloor is only 260 feet deep. This was absolutely an operation that was possible for a U.S. Navy special ops team. And because they kept it within the Navy, they found a way to use a loophole to not brief the Gang of Eight, not brief Congress about what was going on.
Now, folks, I got to explain that every single day you see a new story in the news about someone who was the victim of a violent crime. Some of you think you're ready to defend yourself against evil, and the truth is you're probably not. That is only possible if you train and train often, but with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket along with gas, getting to the range isn't as easy or as affordable as it used to be. Thankfully, there is a better way to train with your firearm in the comfort and privacy of your own home. It's called iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and more. Each even better, it costs less than a day at the range. Right now, save 10% plus free shipping with promo code POSO when you go to itargetpro.com. When you get yours, simply download the iTarget app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start training. iTarget comes in most calibers from 9mm to 223, so you can train with almost any firearm. This is the easiest and most cost-effective way to train and pays for itself in a single day. That's letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com, promo code POSO. Then this brings us to the question of whether we can succeed or not. My argument is you're playing a losing hand. Right? And the reason you're playing a losing hand is because this is a competition between economic considerations and security considerations. The basic mindset of people in the West is that you can punish the Russians economically, and they'll throw their hands up. My argument is when security considerations are at stake, when core strategic interests are at stake, and there's no question, ladies and gentlemen, in Russia's case, this is a core strategic interest, countries will suffer enormously before they throw their hands up. Right? So you can inflict a lot of pain on the Russians, and they're not going to quit. And they're not going to quit because Ukraine matters to them. And by the way, Ukraine doesn't matter to us. You understand there's nobody calling for us to fight in Ukraine. Even John McCain, who up until recently has never seen a war he didn't want to fight, <laughs> right, is not calling for using military force in Ukraine. What John McCain is saying is, not, is that Ukraine is not a vital strategic interest for the West. That's what he's saying. It is a vital strategic interest for the Russians. They've made that perfectly clear, and not just Putin. right? So in terms of the balance of resolve, it's all on their side. And I showed you that slide up there that depicted how much economic leverage the Russians have because of all that natural gas going westward. We're playing a losing hand here. But let's assume that I'm wrong. Let's assume that we're playing a winning hand and that we are capable of backing Putin into a corner. And we're getting close to pushing him off a cliff. Is this good? You're talking about a country that's got thousands of nuclear weapons. And the only circumstance, really, under which states use nuclear weapons is when they're desperate, when they think their survival is at stake. So what you're talking about is putting Putin in a situation where he's desperate. We have to understand the geopolitical implications of this. I've said it so many times here on the program. The French have a phrase whenever there's a murder. Cherchez la femme. Well, the phrase when you understand, want to understand geopolitics, cherchez le petrol. Don't look for the woman. Look for the oil. Look for the gas. And it goes beyond that because we have to understand it's not just American energy and petroleum and LNG that's flowing to Europe. It's also the specifics of holding together the NATO alliance, 
and maintaining America's position in the world, this global hegemony, the world police, the global reserve currency, which is backed, as I've argued, as I've argued, by the petrodollar. The idea that the U.S. dollar is essentially backed up by the sale of oil and LNG products around the world. The fact that our allies conduct them in U.S.-backed transactions, U.S. currency-backed transactions. And it really is amazing. It really is amazing the amount of trouble that the regime is willing to stir up when the petrodollar is on the line. Because suddenly, if China becomes a bigger trading partner, One Belt, One Road becomes a better trading position, if the BRICS nations, which obviously includes Russia, become strategic players in this, then suddenly some of these countries might start thinking that they don't need to operate using the petrodollar anymore. They can dump the dollar. What do they need the United States for? What do they need any of this for? Well, the response here is simple. The United States can't allow that, right? If you're someone who supports the regime, if you're someone who demands that the globalist American empire, the GAE, always succeed, then you have to push every potential rival into a corner, just as Dr. Mearsheimer warned us. And isn't that exactly what's going on? And by the way, that video from Dr. Mearsheimer, that's eight years old. You could have given it today. It sounds like exactly describing what we're seeing. Look, let me break this down really simply for you. Nord Stream 1 allowed the Russians to sell Germany LNG for pennies on the dollar compared to what the United States was offering. It also allowed them to completely bypass Ukraine and the Ukrainian pipelines they didn't need anymore. And once it looked like Nord Stream 2 was about to come online, that was something that the regime could not allow. But instead of finding a way to peacefully deal with these powers, we've decided to back people into a corner, nuclear powers into a corner, to engage in kinetic warfare, covert operations, proxy wars, to maintain international dominance, or at least hegemony over Western and Central Europe. What are the stakes, you ask? It goes far beyond the economic here, far beyond the international liberal order, as Tony Blinken would put it. Because this isn't World War II. This isn't the empire of Japan. They're a nuclear power. They have the ability to respond. And if you think if Seymour Hersh can put all this together, that the Kremlin can't put this together, that Beijing just can't put all this together, Beijing that is sending, interestingly enough, spy balloons over our nuclear silos. It's almost as if they know 
something is on the table and they want to see what our nuclear silos are up to. Funny how that works. Folks, I don't know how else to put this. There are no adults in the room in Washington, D.C. You have zealots. You have absolute zealots who are hell-bent on taking this country and taking our world absolutely to the brink, whether it be through biomedical fascism, whether it be through techno-control technocracies, or whether it be through good old-fashioned military industrial dominance. They're not playing to win. They're not playing the long game. In fact, they have no plan whatsoever. And they don't have your interests at heart. They don't have your family's interests at heart. They don't even have their own family's interests at heart. These people are fools. And as Dr. Mearsheimer warned us, I would take it one step further, actually. It's not just our allies that are walking down the primrose path. It's American citizens that are being walked down the primrose path. This president gives a speech that he ripped off of President Trump saying the world is great and everything is going to be fine. When we can look around and see that everything is collapsing and the doomsday clock is getting closer. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.